Good morning. Good morning. Boker Tov. I said good morning. Boker Tov. That's good. My wife said to me, she gave me a kiss before I get up to speak. Do you know what a kiss means? Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> so, are you laughing that I'm stupid? <laughs> Anyhow, the husband took to his bed and stayed there because he was severely depressed. His wife could do no more for him, so she decided to go to the doctor and get some advice. So the doctor said, go home and cook him a breakfast of bacon and eggs and coffee and let the delicious aroma drift into the bedroom. Then serve him his breakfast in bed, massage his back and feet, bring him the daily newspaper, and then tell him to relax. When lunchtime comes, he says, serve him a light lunch and repeat the above procedure. In the evening, he said, cook him a roast beef dinner with all the trimmings and serve it to him in bed. Massage his back and feet and tell him to relax until the morning. And by that time, he should be on his way to recovery. So when his wife arrived home, her husband said, what did the doctor say? And the wife said, the doctor says, you're never going to make it. (laughs) 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 And I would like to talk to you this morning. By the way, the worship was lovely. Amen. It's good to worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. He inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. In a sense, he's here with us. Amen? Gathered together in his name. And I want to talk to you this morning about the word fellowship. Fellowship. It's a lovely word. If you got your Bible, Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> and it's good to be with you again. It's been a while. It's always a pleasure to be here. And... Uh, you know, there's a warmth here. There's a warmth here. Don't lose it. Stay humble. Don't lose it. Stay together. Amen? And you'll grow. And you'll, you'll grow. The tents will be enlarged. Verse chapter 1. Now let me read verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. For your what? for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 1 John chapter 1. And just for time's sake, we'll, we'll read a few verses here. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, and that ye also may have what? Fellowship with us, 
and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Fellowship. So I'm going to try and share this as briefly as I can and uh, just stay with my wife's little message, kiss. So let us begin on this thought on fellowship. <clears throat> I'd like to hold onto the word in the text there on the word fellowship because the Greek word is koinonia, and it comes from a root word which is koinos, and koinos means common. Koinos means common. In other words, within the fellowship, we have a commonality. That's what fellowship is about. It's a commonality. A commonality of what? What's the commonality that we have? So we'll, we'll look at that later. What's the commonality you and I have with one another in the gospel? Now, the reason that this is of such impressing, pressing importance is because in the early church, their communal life was one of great attraction to the unsaved world around them. They were not so much attracted by the preaching. It was attracted by the commonality of the people, part of which was the preaching of the word. In other words, their communal lives was the, was, was the very fulfillment of the words of Jesus in the life of his people when he said, they shall, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples when you have what? The commonality of love one to another. They were seeing the commonality of love within the, within the church as it began to grow. <clears throat> That's what was happening in the early church. The unsaved world wanted to know what united these people together. That's what they wanted to know. They are attracted to them, and they could not understand how people from diverse nationalities. I'm from Ireland. He's from Nigeria. You're from Canada. And I don't know where else you're from, China, right? Whatever part of the world you are, but when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have a commonality. Amen? Am I getting excited? Is that okay? It's, it's, it excites me. It really does. We have a commonality. This is what the early church, the people were seeing. They were looking at, listen, they were looking at barbarians. They were looking at Scythians. They were looking at slaves. They were looking at free people. They were looking at Jewish people. They were looking at Athenians. And the gospel touched their lives, hallelujah, and brought them in a commonality together. Isn't that lovely? Did I spit on you, darling? I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope you don't take the ladder pains while you're sitting there now. Run out. What was the commonality, brethren? What was the commonality? Let me develop a few things for you. Number one, we have a commonality of faith. Have we not? We have a commonality of faith. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine says this: God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of the Son. Jesus Christ. You didn't put yourself into the family. 
God called you into it. Amen? He was the one who's faithful. And through the gospel, when you heard it, you believed and God placed you into the family. That's a lovely thing, isn't it? He calls you to it through the gospel. As you hear the message, you respond to it by faith. And that's how we come in. We have this commonality of faith uh, in fellowship. But here's the thing we need to remember, folks. Write it down. You cannot have fellowship with Christ until you first have a relationship. Can you write that down? You cannot have fellowship with Christ until there is first a relationship with Christ. And so that's important to understand. And that relationship comes by faith. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. I have to watch my voice. Sometimes I start getting uh, excited and then I lose the breath. So, excuse me. And Ephesians chapter 2, lovely verses. Where is it? After Corinthians? (laughs) Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, where was I? I forget where it was. Verse 8. <laughs> I knew you would get it. Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom. That's not it. Verse 8 is over here. For by grace, which he may share lovely this morning. For by grace are you saved, what? Through faith. Through faith. That's how you're saved. Through faith. Mark it down. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a works list any man should boast. So salvation is through faith. And we come into the commonality of that, of the church. We come into it together in the fellowship because we have a relationship now with God the Father, with God the Son, and with each other now in the family of God. So that's how we come in. So let me say this, it's not of works. It's not of works. Now, if, if you could be saved by your own good works, listen, folks, if you could be saved by your own good works, then the death of Christ was unnecessary. Turn to Galatians chapter 2, please, back a chapter there to chapter 2 of Galatians, and you'll find that in verse 21. <clears throat> Notice verse 21. <clears throat> I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then what? Christ is dead in vain. If you could be saved by the law, keeping of the law, and by your good deeds and your good works, then, my friend, what was necessary for Jesus to die for you? There was no necessity in it at all. It was a non-necessity. If you can get to heaven through your own good deeds and your own good works. Because if you could do that, if you could be saved by your own good works, then you would be your own Savior. You would be your own Savior. Not only that, you could worship yourself. (laughs) And you can't do that because God's against idolatry, isn't he? You shall have no other gods before me. You can't save yourself in a million years. Thank God he came to save. He was manifested 
He's the eternal life. And he was manifested, and they said, we saw him, and we seen him, and we touched him, and we eat with him, and he was among us. And then he gave that life up for us. You sang about it. That's the majestic truth that God gave his son for you. So, secondly, if you could be saved through faith in Christ, plus your own good works, then you would have the impossible situation of having two saviors now. You would have Christ and you. And that would mean Christ would have to share the glory of his saviorhood with another. And he will not do that. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, My glory I will not give to what? Another. So you can't have faith in Christ plus your, your own good works. It doesn't work that way. It's through what, guys? Shout it out. Faith. It's through faith. It's through faith. That's how you come. Now, I don't know what you have in your house, but you have pipes underneath your kitchen sink there, don't you? And you have these pipes running through, and you have this pipes running through, and there's water running through it. And then the water comes through, brother, and it comes right through into your faucet. You turn it on, and then you have a refreshing drink of water, don't you? The pipe is not the water. The pipe is the channel that brings the water to you that you might be refreshed. That's what faith does. Faith is the channel. It's not saving. It doesn't save you. Faith doesn't save you. Saving faith doesn't save you. It's saving faith in the one who can save you. Don't get that mixed up. It's through faith that we come to the Lord Jesus Christ And faith is the means through which it comes to us. Through faith. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be what? Saved. Salvation is in a relationship. And that's how you come into the fellowship. When you trust the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith points you to him. And thank God, when you trust him, you get saved. Faith is the door by which each of us must enter so we can have the commonality of faith. Now, you sang about all this this morning. You sang about faith, and then you sang about forgiveness. See, we have a commonality of forgiveness. That's the second thing. Acts 26, verse 18 says this. to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive what? The forgiveness of sins by faith that is in me. Again, you've got the person. And faith is the channel through which you come to him. And so you have this forgiveness and so the presentation of the gospel, any presentation of the gospel is, is not adequate that does not bring a, a man or a person face to face with the fact of their sins and the need of God's forgiveness. And that's the gospel. You, you, you can have forgiveness, friend, this morning. And you can leave here with sins forgiven. Glory to God. Some wisely person said this, and I may have quoted it, but I don't mind re-quoting it. 
because repetition is a good teacher. I said before, I write things down in my Bible, and Spurgeon says notes are like canaries. If you don't cage them, they fly away. So I write them in my Bible, and that's why I have the note that I can share with you this morning. And it says this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. Amen. The declaration of Colossians 2.13 brings great joy to my soul for it says this. Listen to it. Having forgiven you, listen to it now, all of your trespasses. Isn't that lovely? Having forgiven you all of your trespasses. And beloved, I'm sure you would like to know this morning that sin's power to condemn is disannulled forever through the cross when you believe. Wonderful forgiveness through the Lord Jesus. Let me read Romans chapter 8 now. It's a wonderful passage. Romans chapter 8. Just a couple of verses. Verse 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You see these words here, who, 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 who. Next verse. Who shall separate us? So who shall separate us from the love of what? Of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that what? You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer through Christ's love for you. You overcome these things. Hallelujah. What a position he's brought you into. You're talking about freedom. (laughs) My dear friend, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We'll talk about freedom in a minute. We're on forgiveness at the moment. But forgiveness is important. And then he goes on to say this. It's in my Bible somewhere. They in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded. Are you persuaded? I am. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in what? Christ Jesus. You talking about forgiveness? Unbelievable. There's nothing can take it away from you. Nothing. He went through the list. Nothing can separate his love from you. You want to put that in your mind and in your heart? That's where you are if if you've come by faith. 
You come by faith, you have this wonderful freedom. You have this commonality of faith, and you have this commonality of freedom, forgiveness, sorry, and now you're in this fellowship. <laughs> Such complete forgiveness is possibly only in the grounds of Christ's work in bearing sin and releasing his merit to you and his righteousness to you. You do not have any of that of your own. It's his merit and his merit alone. Christ alone. We sing it, don't we? Christ alone. And when it happens, um, you like to play and you like to sing. Sing this one sometimes. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It is well, it is well with my, my sin, not in part, but the whole. That's what you call complete forgiveness. That's what you get. And nothing can separate you from it. That's why I'm joyful today. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing. And when it comes to forgiveness, Becky, you have it. You have it. She's a quiet woman. She doesn't shout hallelujah or anything like that. (laughs) You can leave here knowing that your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus has taken charge of it. And you can leave here knowing that your sin is not just in part, but it's the whole. I think that's absolutely fabulous. The gospel does it. The gospel does it. There's no other message can do it. It's the gospel that does it. So there's a community, a commonality of faith, and there's a commonality of forgiveness, and then there's a commonality of freedom. This is all in the relationship. And by the word, the word, the word fellowship, that's one of the words that comes out of fellowship. There's four words that comes out of fellowship. One of them, is, one of them here is relationship. <clears throat> so you have a commonality of freedom. And may I remind you today that freedom is not free. If you think of the brave men and women in World War I and World War II who give their lives for our freedom. Think of the courageous men and women who never even came back. Think of the valiant soldiers who did come back, but came back bodily wounded with limbs removed and legs and arms missing. And I see them on Facebook. Thank God for them. They fought for us that we might have freedom. Freedom is not free. Think of the young men and women today fighting the terrorist regimes so that our borders can know freedom. I hope you remember that and pray for them today. Three things about our freedom, the commonality of freedom. And it comes to all of us who who have come to the Lord Jesus. We're free from God's condemnation. Hallelujah. We're free from God's condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are what? In Christ Jesus. You don't need to elaborate on that. 
We're free from, God, from God's condemnation. Secondly, we're free from sin's domination. Before you were saved, David, you spoke about it this morning. You were talking about past and present, the but. But before you were saved, you were habitually under sin. Sin was your master. It doesn't mean you run about sin and sin and sin and sin. No, no, no. But sin was the dominating factor in your life. And when we got saved, now it, our, habitual, our habitual walk with God now is not sin but righteousness. That's how we ought to walk today because there's a wonderful change that you sang about. That's the freedom. You're free from sin's domination. Sin shall not have any more dominion over you, Paul says. Romans chapter 6. You realize that, Dan? Amen? Just thought you were sleeping there. That's okay. <laughs> Just wanted to give you a wee nod. Now, it doesn't mean as a Christian, by the way, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't sin. Get that into your head. There are times you and I get tripped up, right? There's times when you and I make mistakes, right? But think of this. Think of the forgiveness he gives, gives to you. But we won't give it to somebody else. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I was wondering where my pulpit was there. I couldn't find it. It's over here. Ephesians chapter 4. Come on now, let's go. <clears throat> There's a wonderful verse here. You should write it down. Listen to this. Verse 32. Everybody's got their iPods out and their notepads. Good. Verse 32, chapter 4. Be ye what? Come on. Be ye what? Do you get it? Do you get it or don't you get it? Do you do it? Do you do it? Be kind. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Not hard-hearted. Not hard-hearted. Tender-hearted. Amen? I don't know you, brother. What's your name? Shaq, nice to meet you. Glad to have you. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Why? Why should we do this? What does it say? Even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. And even though you trip up, and even though you make mistakes, and even though you might be a prodigal in a far country, God will bring you home and forgive you. Love your children. Love them. Don't always give them the regulations. Give them the love. Lift them up. Kiss them and hug them. Because we never know when they'll go on. I tell my brother-in-law, son-in-law, nearly every day, Michael, we love you because we nearly lost him. 
We nearly lost him because of his health three years ago. And I have to thank God for that, that the Lord preserved him. And I tell him, Michael, we'll love you. My sisters from Ireland were a wee bit proud in Ireland. We hate saying the thing out, you know what I'm saying? Like we hate saying out, I love you. There's a bit of pride there, you know, I love you. My sister hates saying it on the phone. Now, she's a believer. And I always say to her, Margaret, I love you, my darling. And she'd say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she'd go, mm-hmm. You can't get it out between the teeth, you know. You just can't get it out. But you know what? She's starting to turn. She's starting to realize, hey, I can't say it. Listen, if you got problems with somebody, go to them, tell them you love them. If they've hurt you, say, look, you've hurt me. You've hurt me badly. But say, Jesus wants me to love you. And I want to love you. I want to forgive you. When they were bombing in Ireland, I came out from a war-torn country too. There's nothing but bombs and shooting and family. Some of my family were killed. My brother was imprisoned. Now he's a pastor, by the way. It's their 10th anniversary today in his church. And he was in jail. And God saved him. Hallelujah. And now he's reaching people. You know what? He's forgiven Roman Catholics that he hated for years. Why? Because God changed his heart. Amen? Amen? Am I preaching too long? It's 10 past 12. I'm hungry. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> and then we can move on to, by the way, even though we're tripped up, we sin less and less and less and less. And we move towards righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. That should be our habitual lifestyle. Amen. And thank God we have an advocate with the Father if we are tripped. If we confess our sins, Karen, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's a great message. And so you have this commonality of faith and commonality of forgiveness and you have a commonality of freedom and you have this free from God's condemnation, free from sin's domination, and now we're free from death's trepidation. You and I don't have to fear death anymore. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. By the way, I'm at the first point. And I have four, <laughs> four points. Hebrews, please, chapter 2. People live with the fear of death hanging over their heads. Everywhere you look, people are held in bondage to death's trepidation. So much so that they will do anything and everything they can to stave off this grim reaper. They go so far to make arrangements for their bodies to be frozen in the hope that someday they can be thawed out and be repaired so they can carry on their life just where they left off. And the reason that the fear of death has so much power over people is that death is seen as the end. 
In other words, they say once you're dead, it's, no, it's all over. It's done. That's the devil's lie, by the way. That's the devil's lie. They say this, uh, once you're dead, you no longer exist. Lies. Lies, not according to the word of God. Everything to, to them is that all that there is is the end. There, there's no existence after death. And my friend, listen, to you and I as a believer, to the Christian, death is not the end. It's a transition point to be with the Lord. Wonderful transition point. Absent from the body to be what? Whoa, that's a transition point. Glory to God. That's what the gospel gives you. That's the freedom that you have in Jesus. Transition point. Paul says it here, chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the what? The power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them. Or he means there, set you free. Deliverance. Set you free through death. He might destroy him that had the power of death. In other words, and deliver them who through what? Who fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. Many people are fearful of death. I got news for you. Jesus conquered death. He rose from the dead in resurrection power. And because he lives, we shall what? Live also, we shall rise with him. That's the gospel. That's the commonality. That's the fellowship. I've got one more. Can you bear one more? There's five more, but can you bear one more? And I mean it, there's five more. We are free. Listen, you are free from the world's affirmation. You are free from the world's affirmation. <clears throat> you and I are free from the mad pursuit of the world's affirmation. Many of us, as people, spend, or spend our life looking for love and looking for acceptance. You get that in the world, folks. Their people are looking for love and they're looking for acceptance and they will do whatever they can to get that affirmation. They will fight, they will claw, they will lie, they will cheat to get that affirmation. In order to find love and acceptance, people will follow the latest fads, they will parrot the current philosophies and even sell their integrity and their values to get love and acceptance from people. You don't have to do that, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? You're already loved. You're already accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. See this wonderful gospel? You got freedom. You got wonderful freedom. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up as best as I can here. <clears throat> and uh, you're pushing me, you know. You and I are set free from all that madness. We're already loved. And he will love you. Listen to me. He will love you right to the end. He loved us in the past. He loves us in the present. And he will love you in the future. 
And that's why the hymn writer said, loved, listen to it, with everlasting love. This is why they write the hymns. Love with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know, spirit breathing from above, that has taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine, listen to it, in a love that cannot cease, I am his, and he is mine. He not only loves you, he has accepted you. You are accepted. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please, and we'll conclude with this portion. Ephesians chapter 1. And the next time I come back, I'll do the other four points. Because I can't do them today, David. Unless you want me shot. <laughs> now look at verse 6. Now always remember this. Always watch context. Context. I'm going to talk about the context. But listen. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Get nothing whatsoever to do with your works. To the glory of his grace. Amen? Wherein he hath made us what? Accepted or acceptable in the, in the beloved. Isn't that a lovely statement? Now here, what, here's what the word accepted means. You with me now? Here's what it means. This is good because you had the grace this morning. It means freely bestowed. Freely bestowed. And it refers back to the word grace. The word accepted is freely bestowed. It goes back to the word grace in the context in the same verse. So the translation goes like this. Gabriella, Gabriella. Which grace he hath freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. You have been graced upon graced. You've been highly favored in the eyes of God. That's what it means. You've been highly favored. He's fully graced you in his mercy. Highly favored, he has graced you with much grace and has graciously graced you. That's what the word means. You say, John, how? In the context. In the context. Watch it now. Watch how he greatly graces you in the context. Watch it. Verse 3. You got it? Verse 3. He has what? First word. Blessed what? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath what? He's blessed you. He's blessed you. Look at verse 3 again. <clears throat> Watch it now. Sorry, verse 4. What does it say? According as he hath what? He's not only blessed you, he's chosen you. <laughs> Glory to God. He's blessed you, he's chosen you. Now watch it again. Oh, oh. Look at verse 5. And having predestinated us unto the adoption of what? Children. He has adopted you <laughs> into the family of God. Now, before you couldn't, but now you can say, Abba, Father. Now you are the children and the sons of God. Now you're the daughters and sons of God. Now you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are rich. 
Glory to God, you're rich. <laughs> you're adopted. You're in the family. <laughs> and it's equality. It's equality. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. No, 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 no. We've been all made in the image and the what? And the likeness of God. There should not be any racism. That happens when you let the devil have his way. Not when God has his way. You are chosen. You are blessed. You are adopted. Verse 5, listen to it now. You are predestinated. Now watch that. Prohorizo is the word. Prohorizo. Pro before horizo the horizon. You see the word horizo, horizon? Before the horizon. The horizon where, where you would think that the, the sky and the earth meet is the farthest point you and I can see. Pro horizo. That's as far as we can see. The far you and I can see as a believer is the predestined purpose of God, which is to be in his likeness. You're chosen to be like Jesus. That's the purpose of saving you. You're predestined to be conformed to the what? The image of Jesus Christ. Adam lost the image. Adam lost the image and came the fall. Jesus is renewing the image again in the likeness of God. What a wonderful blessing. Brings glory to God, you see. Amen? <clears throat> so he has greatly graced you. You are already accepted. You don't need the world's affirmation. You've got God's. That's a brilliant truth. Hang on to it. Let it bless your soul. Amen? And the last one was, you've been accepted. You know what it all means, Clyde? Here's what it means. Mary, it means you're his special treasure. You're a special treasure. You're a special treasure. Now, are you saved? Are you still trying to make it in your own? Are you still trying to do it in your own merits? Are you still trying to make ways whereby you can be accepted before God? Let me tell you this. When you believe, you come into the blessings we just shared. And he gives you his merit. He gives you his righteousness. He brings you into his family. And he does it all in Christ Jesus. You need to make a decision. My friend, listen. Death could be knocking at your door right now. And you don't even know it. People could die in the meeting. And they don't even know it. That's why it's important to trust Christ. Now is the day of what? Salvation. Now. It's critical that you get saved. And you're not going to turn around and say to John, You never told me, John. Oh, didn't I? I'm telling you now. 
You need to be saved, my friend. You need to be saved, and do it now. If you want to talk to me after the meeting, I'll be here. Not till the, morning, till the evening meeting, but I'll be here waiting on you. And I'd be glad to point you to the Lord Jesus and take my time and share the word with you. Trust him. Only trust him today. Now, if you're a believer, listen, we've given you some challenges there. I hope you act upon the challenges. And when you do, listen to me. When you do, see the word fellowship we talked about in 1 John? It'll be your fullness of joy when you obey. You'll come into that wonderful sweetness of the fellowship and the presence of God in your life. And you know what, Karen? When you obey the Lord, Mimi, when you obey the Lord. Amen? Amen. You owe me money, by the way. Shall we pray? Let's stand up together in his presence and give him the highest praise. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad I'm, I'm smart and not going on and preaching on? Amen? We'll do it the next time. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power and knows neither measure nor end. Tis Jesus, the first and the last, whose spirit will guide us if home. We thank him for all in the past, and we'll praise him for all that's to come. Father in heaven, we give you praise today for this wonderful commonality, this sweet fellowship you've brought us into, a fellowship with one another, a fellowship with the Father, and a fellowship with the Son through the Spirit. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give each other a hug before you go home. Amen.